I've noticed a trend with these little introductions um, that the that the each one kind of leads into the next in kind of a deeper way. You know, I've been talking about the purpose of poetry, and this next one it got me thinking: Can poetry make me well in kind of a psychological sense? And did it at you know as I've begun to manage my finally begun to manage my mental illness or mental illnesses. Um, and so as I went deeper into this thinking today, um, I kept going back to when I, after my wife left, uh, actually at the same time my wife was leaving, I was admitted to the psych ward, um, you know, in April of 2020, you know, this is the beginning of COVID. Um, like I said, she would leave me while I was in the psych ward. Um, so, you know, the, you know, and my, and my medicine that I was on was really starting to mess with me. Um, I was misdiagnosed. And so things were just really crumpling. Um, and I took one extra pair of clothes with me for a week long stay. And I took three books of poems, a Jane Miller collection, a Timothy Donnelly collection, and Dean Young's The Art of Recklessness, um, a lyric essay book um, about poetry um, that has been super influential to me for a long time, especially as Dean was my mentor in grad school. Um, and, you know, and I, I kind of became the guy that was loaning out these books, you know, I'd be reading one and then people would come by and want to read another. And so I let, I'd let them borrow them. And, you know, we had some conversations about that and about logic and reason, reasonableness and recklessness and, um, association and disassociation. And those, these are all, these are all things that were important to me in poetry but I realized they were, I've later realized that they were important to me in poetry because they were so um, intertwined with my life and the way my brain was firing and in some ways misfiring. Um, and as I came out of that psych ward and as I began to learn more about my illness and, my, and some of the things I needed, um, I... The thing I most learned that I need I need to do to come to terms with things as they are, which is um, John Kabat-Zinn's definition of healing, which I've probably mentioned here before, of uh, coming to terms with things as they are. Um, and so I needed to accept and process a lot of things: my bipolar disorder, what well, my anger problem, which would later get diagnosed as intermittent explosive disorder, my divorce the harm I've caused in several directions um, and the new open direction my life was heading that seemed um, both exhilarating and terrifying at the time. Um, like I've mentioned before, poetry for me was always the place to play in the mess, to put the uh, less stable parts of myself into action and, and to give them um, a diorama to go wild in um and i certainly this book is that way and certainly my work continues to be that way um but then i was also thinking about these other things i was learning in my mindfulness practice 
um, the idea of awareness and attentiveness. Um, and I realized that that's where editing came in for me. Um, it was the place where I could go to be grounded, editing poems. I, I'd go to be grounded and to be present and um, to kind of unpack the the story of my life but not in a way to make it more make more sense or to tell a certain narrative but rather um to open it up and um and to let myself uh be a little conflicting in that space and i think the biggest thing one of the biggest thing that's changed in my life is um, I've really learned to appreciate gratitude. You know, I make gratitude lists all the time. I journal every morning and every evening. And I, you know, I write one thing I'm grateful for. I try to use it in my everyday life. Um, my Instagram, when I was doing that, was largely centered around gratitude. And I realized that these poems uh, are were early places bursting with gratitude. Uh, gratitude for the outlet of self-expression, gratitude for the influences of poets and non-poets on my work and on my life, and gratitude for the pieces of my life, the people who chose to share themselves with me, be it in long form or in short, short burst, the people, the stories that I've been able to witness or hear, and the memorable experiences I've been blessed to have. Um, and then, you know, I think that intentionality and gratitude continued in the way I put this book out. Um, and it's been really healing for me. It was, I think I talked about it when I talked about the way I did this, but, you know, a big part of it was making 50 handmade, uh, collage covered copies of this book and giving them to the people who most supported me and didn't give up on me during this really trying time. Um, and then also in in this form uh, as the podcast, um, grateful grateful for this uh, for this opportunity and this platform, at, even at a small scale. Uh, and so yeah, and so I was thinking about that all today. Um, and I think, can poetry make me well? I think it did in a lot of ways because like mindfulness and like um, my medication and like all that, it gave me a chance to separate from the storyline fever of my life, the story I was telling myself and truly be present away from my ego um, and in the experience of healing. Um, and again, I'm just so grateful for that. Um, and yeah and it just proves to me again the power of poetry so thank you for listening um i'm gonna read five poems i think five maybe six today um the first is called oh i do care to trample gently in return uh you know and it i think it really just um is butting up against the looking back and looking at kind of embarrassingly how unstable, unstable, unstable I was as a friend and a lover and a significant other at various points of my life with different people that um, both 
my mishandling of my mental illness and the symptoms of my mental illness caused. Next poem is Found Yourself Born in the Mirror of Your Mother. Um, I think a significant part of this is at the end, um, it talks about wander the, wandering the streets of Elgin, Texas, which was a small, a smaller town outside of Austin. Um, and I had a recurring dream, or maybe it was a delusion, I don't know exactly how we would classify it, that I would end up homeless in Elgin. Um, and I've often had, since I was in, uh, a mid-teenager, I had these homeless fears. Um, and, you know, I'm very blessed. You know, in some ways, if it wasn't for the house my grandfather left me, if it wasn't for the support of my parents, if it wasn't for... Um, the love of my friends, I probably would have ended up homeless in this whole journey of the last couple years. Um, but yeah, and so it, so I, this poem just got me rethinking, rereading, it got me rethinking about, um, that struggle that I had internally and that fear. Um, Around Words This Way is the third poem. Um, and it's kind of, it's a good example of how I used to write poems a lot, like kind of a collage poem. It was notes with my friend Hannah, um, thoughts that I've been having about poetry. Um, let's see. It, oh, it uses parts from other poems in this book, including the first poem in the book. And then, um, it also has some references towards the end. Uh, to some things Pete Holmes has said on this podcast, you made it weird. Um, so I really enjoy making poems like this. Someone in a workshop one time when I brought in a poem, not my own, but uh, to share of someone else's, said that poems like this were more fun to write than they were to read, and maybe that's true. Um, but I also think there can be a lot of surprise and joy in reading those kind of poems as well. So hopefully you find that there. Um Cricket noises in the background of life. Um, I was hanging out with a friend. Um, and we were hanging out at her parents' house. And her mom was drunk. And she said something about cricket noises in the background of life. And I just love that. And so I went from there. And the last one is called Practicing Being Alone. And it really speaks to a lot of the uh, violet... Um, and conf the violent um, hallucinations and delusions I was having and the and the instable uh, m moods that I was having that often led to these outbursts. Um, and so it's kind of a portrait of me truly out of my mind um, and really needing help. And luckily, I got it. So thank you all for that. Enjoy the poems. Oh, I do care to trample gently in return. A dove is stranded on the road towards Rome. Oh, I do care to trample gently in return. In fretting, anxiety, I came to love the well-washed window. Do, do you find risk in my questions? My secondary drug, I invent miserable reasons to call. 
Persistence never soothes the mind, never stretches the illumination long enough to notice the chair has a spine in it still. No more houses for the bad guys. Let them fucks live among the concerned teeth of the anchored village. Shame on the bums, guffawing existence in the pain of y'all. Diverse swearing. In the world, not so pure and in apology. It is significant no one is innocent. Bye, Nancy. Your lungs might obscure the heat in my vial of blood. An echo, firm and scandalizing, comes disappointingly to drop down by my alternative garden, a farce. An anchor guarantees death and no money. You say ta-ta and with others fly beyond Rome. Found yourself born in the mirror of your mother. You did not see him born because yet had you found yourself born in the mirror of your mother. Like you and I, he had a mother. But other than that, he is nothing like me or what I imagine you one day might be. He flails like a cure, one yet to be thought through by scientists. He moves, and bricks disconnect their mortar, and shrubs turn purplish gold, and alligators build pyramids their teeth. Out of their minds, most humans become artists, the type who learn to wander the streets of Elgin, Texas, asking for a dollar to buy a piece of charcoal, a friend. Around words this way. It has always been enjoyable to toss around words this way, meaning over and over again, slap to whatever might stick. Enjoyable, the word itself, is one, unfortunate, another, often in tandem, often in competing force. The park shone lovely today, some ducks, their lacquered bodies of mucus, hope, and feathers, and their stuttering reflections, all proof we are in a Mormon hologram, which is to say it is enjoyable to be here, though unfortunate to be so bogged down by my particular illness, a particular form of a particular curse, where my legs are rabbit legs and my mouth once belonged to a wolf. Speaking of cursing, I have been ill, as my father applies the term, meaning mad, for a decade now. Frothing fuck yous from my wolfish grin ever since you let those men into our home and they left raw chicken on the porcelain counter. Fuck you for getting me addicted to Oreos. Fuck you for introducing me to that internet psychic, he who loved me and then lost me in Bogota among the black and white buildings. Fuck you for ramming Frank out of existence with your beach jeep, the one you bought with my hard-earned plasma donation money. Fuck you for that too. I think I have enough facts. Now I must go find some paper before this too leaves me as 113 friends before and since have left me here. It always gives me a feeling like death, but also a sensation like some bee in my belly, nude, repossessed. Cricket noises in the background of life. It is something... Something you must adjust to. 
cricket noises in the background of life, little chirps like scratches in the wood floor, dotting my phone calls, my morning cigarette, the voice memos I record for my wife six months gone, I keep them to myself, a boy with a cricket in a jar. He carries the jar around while the adults mingle in the yard. I'm so proud of these voice messages. One small step in managing this blur brain. Click record and let out the raw longing, cussed apologies, morsels of anger. Cricket noises in the backdrop of life. Except these crickets sound inside this house. So loud and incredibly morose. Practicing being alone. I have come untethered, am practicing being alone. I say in the parking lot in a manner both alarmed and unarmed. I'm asking for help, but the only friends near are a crinkled receipt for tampons, a boyfriend bought for his girlfriend, an effort to save their relationship, and a hat. Not my damn hat. I said to the cloud passing, turning from a wildebeest to a worn-out couch. Story of my life, I say to no one. Nickels in my pocket. Life goes, I suppose, I say. The yellow lines agree, though the handicapped spot shut me out completely. A voice says to body slam my uncle. A vision projects my father with hot grease all over his face, his hands blanketing the grease. Then I eat a slice of white bread, muttering, I'm not a pigeon, between nibbles. These are not easy sentences to write, mostly because my hand is shaking. My mind revs for relief of this isolation. I sing my sins into the tin can. Now it is the other end's problem. Whoever might still be listening to this. First, thank you for listening. Thank you to all my friends and family for the visits, phone calls, and correspondences for making sure I stayed alive to finish this manuscript, including, but certainly not limited to, Zach Sadie and the Hunter Boys, Josh Cayley and Violet Lee, Jess Council and her crew, Jason Arnold, Steph Pappy and the Arnold Boys, Tracer Towner and family, Clark Moser, Darren Eaton, Marie Ponce de Leon, Paz Pardo, Enrique Lozano, and Elias, Jonna Henry and Charlie Martin, Cody Van Buskirk and family, Larry Nutt, Dan Keelish, the Murray family, Jamie Crawford, the Avant family, Jesse Bearden, Matt Spencer, Judd Ferris, Tim and Christina Durr, Gia Murata, Eric Matson, Hannah Margolin, Lacey Patterson, Heather Collier and family, Eric Clough, Lori Sauerborn, Brendan McLean, Melody and Marie Smith, Terry Tan, Morgan Jackman and family, the Tyner and Gobble families. Thank you to the artists that kept me churning during this process slash processing. 
State Champion, Dean Young, Mary Rufel, Landon Caldwell, Anthony Ray Wright, Sarah Shook and the Disarmers, Pete Holmes, C.D. Wright, the Fleece Brothers, Maria Bamford, Abraham Smith, Ada Lamone, Francis Picabia, Bill Burr, Will Alexander, Ross Gay, D.A. Powell, Phoebe Bridgers, David Berman, In the Face of War, David Blaine, David Bazan, The Creators of King of the Hill, May May Bruce and Bruges, Lucy Brock Broido, John Ashbery, Kenneth Koch, and Frank O'Hara. Thanks to the folks who gave me places to go to be both myself and someone else. The Elwood Disc Golf Enthusiasts, the Anderson Disc Golf Club, Power Barn, the Waking Up app, all the guests and friends of the Future Barn podcast, Bill Simmons and the Ringer Network, and the Windmill Tavern. Thanks to any mental health professional that has held my wobbly head, both figuratively and literally, over these past decades especially Ruby Joe Walker. Thank you to my ancestors for the guidance and the gifts, including most recently Fred Tyner and Tony Gobble, and most historically significant Joanne Tyner and Ricky Gobble. Thank you also to my teachers for their guidance and their gifts, most recently Ram Das and Sam Harris, and most historically significant Todd McKinney, and Dean Young. Thank you to the most supportive and patient parents around, Jeff and Tammy Gobble, for accepting my many parts. Thank you to the light that's gone away, Diana Lynn Small, for the years of loving and the lessons of leaving. Thank you to the light that always stays, Jenny Bug, for being a badass dog. <laughs>